For Arizona Public Media, I'm Tim Swindle, Director of the University of Arizona's Lunar and Planetary Laboratory, and this is Arizona Science. Joining me today is Mike Nolan, Science Team Chief of the OSIRIS-REx Asteroid Sample Return Mission, to talk about the ways he and others have used radar to study near-Earth objects, including Bennu, the asteroid that is the target of OSIRIS-REx. Welcome, Mike. Thank you, Tim. When we're talking about studying asteroids with radar, we're not talking about radar the size of a speed gun or something like that, are we? No, ours is a little bigger. It's the world's most powerful radio transmitter and also the world's most sensitive radio receiver hooked together to make the world's most powerful radar system. It's the system in Arecibo, Puerto Rico. It's uh, built into a natural hole in the ground, and it's a, it's 1,000 feet across and about 600 feet tall, and uh, it's pretty impressive. You talk about high-resolution images. So for a typical near-Earth object, how high a resolution can you get on a pass close to the Earth? The highest resolution we can get at Arecibo is about 7.5 meters, 20 feet, uh, which maybe is not high from a, the, using your binoculars, but for something that's millions of miles away, that's pretty good. Uh, there is another facility in California that's not as sensitive but can make images about twice as fine as that. Now, you lived and worked in Arecibo for many years, and just like there are light pollution ordinances in the Tucson area, there are rules about radio frequency pollution around Arecibo. What are the practical effects of that? So the practical effects of that are actually when I left Arecibo, I'm not used to using a cell phone because we weren't allowed to use cell phones because they, they would interfere with the radar. Uh, we didn't have Wi-Fi because it would interfere with the radar. You, you know, people use like a wireless mouse, a wireless this, and you forget how many of those there are. And we had, uh, we, we had a continuous campaign to go around and basically clean all that stuff up because somebody would unthinkingly bring in a radio transmitter of some kind and we would have a problem and we would have to go find it. And since it's, it's not light that you can see with your eyes, you have to use equipment to go in and search for this stuff. And so we spent a lot of our time actually seeking out these, the, these light sources that were interfering with our work. Arecibo was not originally built with asteroids in mind. Is it still used for other purposes? It's still used, in fact, for the thing they built it for, which is studies of the, of the Earth's uh, upper atmosphere. Most of the time is spent looking out at stars and galaxies. Uh, the thing they look for most is hydrogen out in the universe. The universe is made mostly of hydrogen, so there's a lot to look at. One of the recent things that is a, a very big deal at Arecibo right now is pulsars. Uh, pulsars are these are dead stars that put out a lot of radio waves, and uh, there's a novel used for them to look for gravity waves. Gravity waves are a, LIGO has discovered gravity waves. Well, Arecibo is also looking for different ones that date from basically the formation of the universe. Besides getting high resolution of surface features, you also get high resolution on exactly where an object is, how far away it is. And how does that play into what you're trying to do with OSIRIS-REx and with asteroid exploration? Right now, the OSIRIS-REx target, Bennu, has the best determined orbit of any asteroid that we know of because we have three separate observations of it from Arecibo. So we, we take images with seven meter resolution. We know to within seven meters where it was, at least at the, the moment we took that picture. With a regular telescope, you can see where the asteroid is today, but it's a lot harder to predict where it's going to be. It turns out if you can take an ordinary optical image and combine it with radar information, then you get a very accurate three-dimensional representation of where this asteroid is and where it's going, and where it's going to go 10, 20, 100 years from now. How precise would the measurement be if you had only the optical telescopes? It depends a little bit on the details, of course, but a typical number is we do about somewhere between 100 and 1,000 times better in how long you can predict where it's going to go, which is the thing you care about. If you have enough observations of an asteroid with an optical telescope over many, many years, you can do almost as well, but still not quite. How do you track an asteroid with radar? 
we track it by, uh, basically we measure exactly where it is. And if you measure exactly where it is right now, and you measure it exactly where it is a year from now, you can draw a curve that shows you where it's going to go. Well, the more accurately you can draw that curve, the better you can make the prediction. And so using that information, you can just determine whether it's going to hit or not hit the Earth in 100 years. Uh, that's something that's of great interest if you're trying to figure out of if you need to evacuate or not. Why are the radar observations so important for Bennu? Well, for Bennu, we were able to determine the shape of the asteroid and its size. And if you're planning a space mission, it's a whole lot easier to plan if you know where you're going. So when you're going to the moon, we can take pictures of the moon and see what it, what it looks like. But for most asteroids, you really don't know too much about what it looks like until you get there. And so now we have a pretty reasonable handle on what, is, what we're going to see when we get there, at least in, in a gross sense. When this recent space mission to Comet CG arrived, they were very surprised about what we, they, they saw. And when we arrive at Bennu, there are things we're going to learn that are new and different, but we're not going to be completely surprised about how big it is or what shape it is. Well, thank you for coming in, Mike. This is Tim Swindle, and this has been Arizona Science. You can also listen to this and other Arizona Science segments by going to the Arizona Public Media website at azpm.org.